You are listening to Making It in the Toy Industry, episode number 88. Welcome to Making It in the Toy Industry, a podcast for inventors and entrepreneurs like you. And now your host, Ajel Wade. Hey there, toy people. Welcome back to another episode of the Toy Coach Podcast, Making It in the Toy Industry. This is a weekly podcast brought to you by thetoycoach.com. Today, we have three students from Toy Creators Academy who also pitched at the TCA Virtual Pitch Event, joining us today to share some of their experiences working with me, pitching to toy companies. So I'm so excited to welcome to the show, Chrissy, Scott, and Jordy. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, Chrissy was one of the first people to join Toy Creators Academy way back in the day, back in September when it was just a dream, uh, September of 2020, 2020. And Jordi and Scott, you know, you're new to the group and you guys really hit the ground running. So to start off, I first would love to go around and just find out why you guys were interested in joining something like Toy Creators Academy to begin with. Chrissy, can we start with you? Sure. I did not go to school to be in this industry. So I had the luck of creating a game that was licensed and I really, really enjoyed the process. And I knew I was full of creative ideas and wanted to continue down this game toy journey, but I didn't have the time or resources to go to like a traditional school. So I was doing everything I could, but you know, Google and search. And then I discovered the Toy Creators Academy. I would love to share because I don't think Scott and Jordy even know that you've had a game licensed before. Can you share anything about how that happened for you before? This is before Toy Creators Academy. Yeah, sure. So this is about, this is going on four years ago, but I had went on a trip with some of my friends and we went out to dinner and a friend of ours was, Hey, let's play this game. I just made it up. We grew up together. We are childhood friends. We're sitting there and we sat there for four hours playing this game. And the next morning I woke up and I'm like, you know what, this is, that's a good idea. We should turn this into a game. And ignorance is bliss because it took us two years to create this simple party game. Oh, wow. And, but we really wanted to respect the process. We didn't just want to assume because, oh, we thought it was great that everyone else was going to think it was great. So we changed and played and changed and played. And then eventually created Friend or Foe, which we did a Kickstarter for, and then by luck of the draw and just connections and hard, hard work, we um, got connected with a couple toy companies and then ended up getting licensed by Goliath. They were also starting a new line of adult party games that we, it was just the stars aligned. Well, let's jump over to Scott. You're actually already in the, in the animation field, which is pretty close to the kids product space. Sure. Like, as you said, I've been in the animation space for decades and the overlap always interested me always been kind of passionate about the toy side of things and my career has allowed me to work in some respects in toy like with ip development or designers stuff like that but i really wanted to get a knowledge of the actual process of making a toy for that very intent rather than just a toy that's licensed off some IP or whatever. I actually took the InventRite online class in product development and inventing. And it was a really good class, taught me the basics of how to pitch and the whole idea of it. 
but they're they're general. I mean, they're car parts to kitchen appliances, and I really wanted to do toys. And I actually pitched two early ideas, but again, I could tell I wasn't, you know, getting over that level of okay, yes, we'll commit to making this. So I feel like felt that I needed more specific information about the toy industry. So I connected with you and you were just starting up the sign up for the classes. So I, at first I was a little, the money was a little bit of an issue, but I, you know, I thought about it. I was like, you know, I really need to know what the toy industry wants. If my ideas are going to take off coming up with creative ideas for me is relatively easy, but it's again, finding something that the toy industry is going to look at and go, yes, that's worth producing that was the information I was really missing and that you've provided. Oh, thank you. That's great to hear. You know, the, the money piece is always even tough for me. I have to say, even when I, when I put out a new price point, I only feel comfortable putting out that price point. If I feel comfortable that I can over deliver on that price point. So there are a lot of things that I list out on the, on the sales page where you purchase the course that are true and that's what you get. But there are other things like the pitch event that I know I'm going to do that I don't tell anyone because I know, because I know I'm trying to intentionally over deliver. So I, you know, it's, it's so, it's so tough when people, people say, Oh, it's too expensive or I can't, I just, you know, I just nod and smile because it's for a reason because I'm, I'm here planning. I've got plans. I've got plans I'm building. It's even more than you're seeing that's coming up here. So it seems like a big chunk. I mean, even for when I, even though I got in kind of early and it was, you know, a less involved process, it's, if you look at it as an investment to what you can avoid losing in the process of inventing is, I, I can tell you, there's been a couple of times where I've spent money where I'm like, ugh, you know, that you don't have to. Right. Or you learn that, okay, maybe this is not the industry I want to go in, but you wouldn't know that without the information given within your course. I would, can you think of one idea where you specifically saved money just because of having information? I'd love to hear that. Do you, can you think of anything off the top of your head where you're, you know, you went through the course and you're like, Oh, had I, or had I known this before, maybe I wouldn't have spent money on that. Or now that I know this, I don't have to spend money in that regard. I would say, and you got, you know, you guys might have something different than me because my games and luckily for what I do is a little less expensive than an involved part or a toy. But the prototyping, it's like, I've been amazed at what little you really have to do to have a company be interested before spending a lot going forward. And I think without knowing that, you're like, nope, I need to have this fully developed, you know, prototype, not maybe, you know, product, that prototype doesn't have to be done you know what I mean? Yeah, I it doesn't have to be a lot production ready, essentially. Right. It doesn't have to yeah. be ready to like go to a factory, mass produced. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Yeah. What are you yeah. thinking? Thing, Scott? I, Scott's off thinking okay. in his head. I see his eyes. <laughs> I was thinking how that that's very true in terms of the way the course is laid out. It's spelled out, you know, kind of when and where you would be putting money into something. So that was very useful in terms of the overall picture, like not just getting rid of all your money at the get-go to try to get something made, and then you, there's all these other steps that you missed. Yeah, yeah. And Jordy? I just wanted to add to you know what I was saying that – you know, I mean, this course had a lot to offer. And one of the things that really drew me to it is like, you know, you've gotten all your the basic core course, but you've got like some supplemental stuff. There was a 
one su- one segment was on game design, uh, four steps from I forget the guy's name. He did Mondrosity. Eric Slauson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just an additional thing. And I also paid a little extra money to sign up for the one-on-one with you where I got to, you know, review products with you, get your feedback, which really helped me select the product that I pitched for the pitch event. And, you know, I got my money back in spades. This has just been so helpful. Oh, thank you so much, Jordy. <laughs> that means so much. I know I, I know I did a good job when at the end someone's like, how can we keep working together? <laughs> that makes me feel so good. <laughs> now that you're talking about the pitch event, though, I do want to ask, because when I first launched um, the course this time and you signed up, there wasn't really a lot of information about the pitch and And actually, Chrissy didn't sign up for the alumni package. I actually... I, I asked Chrissy to do work for me for something else. And I was like, can you, I was like, do this work for me. And in exchange, I'll put you in as an alumni. And so that, because honestly, I did that in part one, because I needed help because I'm very busy, but in two, because I know how talented she is. And I thought I didn't do something right by explaining what was in this package. And that's why she didn't sign up. So I need her to, I was like, I need her to get this. How can I get her in on this? And this is what we're going to do. And she said, yes. But also I was busy getting games done as well. Because I was like, I have all this information. I was like, I don't think I have time to do the course. And I was like, oh, I can do a little extra work if Fajal's going to, you know, like, help me out there. So it all worked out. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm so glad. Yeah. So, okay. Back to the question. The question was, what did you think the TCA virtual pitch event was going to be when I first presented it? Because I didn't really know what it was going to be. What what did you like see it as? It kind of was what I expected. Okay. But I don't know if it's because I've done a virtual pitch before that I wasn't totally um, caught off guard with anything surprising. Right. But I thought, I mean, and I think because we've been living up until this point doing everything so virtual for the last year that it seems like, okay, this is just what we're doing. Like if you said, hey, fly to New York, go sit at Toy Fair, I'd be like, what? I would be freaking out. (laughs) Jordy, what do you think? I I would also agree it was pretty much what I expected. What surprised me was just, you know, the, I mean, you had Mattel there. I, I got to pitch to Mattel and I was like, you know, this isn't just, you know, mom and pop little toy shop. This is one of the big companies. So yeah, I was really impressed with the, the companies you, you were able to bring to it. Yeah, me too. I I was also (laughs) impressed. Well, I have to clarify, Mattel didn't come to see pitches at the event, but Dave Harris did come to present and then gave us information so we could pitch to Mattel, which was, I mean, even even better than anything you could imagine. So I remember when I first started it, I said to you guys, yeah, I think we're going to have like four companies come that I was pretty much friends with. And I'm like, yeah, they'll, they'll come and they'll see some pitches. And then what would happen, and I mentioned this uh, to a couple of other toy creators that were pitching, you guys just kept coming up with ideas. And when I would see the ideas, part of me would say, oh, I guess I could show it to this company. But then I would think, oh, but there's another company and I just talked to them the other day and I think they would like this. So then I would reach out and I would say, hey, I have one, maybe two ideas for you. Can I get a a minute of your time? And they'd say yes. So then I would scramble to you guys and say, okay, now I need more ideas. Like now Hasbro's coming. You gotta get it together. So thank you for being responsive to that. But, and thank you for recognizing that we had some serious players there, serious players at the event. So it was pretty cool. Scott, what did you think it was going to be before you signed up? Uh, Well, upon signing up, I didn't even really know about the pitch event. That was like you say, an added 
a bonus. Yeah. And then when I did hear about it, I mean, I, I, I have pitched stuff before, like in the animation world. So that part of it was kind of uh, as I expected. But the surprise was, uh, as was said already, that the, the big players that were, were coming to this thing uh, and knowing that it was the first pitch event, I didn't really expect that that they would be uh, so receptive, but it's amazing that that they were there. And it, the opportunity was like, I mean, that that could have been well worth the whole course uh, in itself. I didn't know. even know about. It. I know. I I agree. I didn't think it was going to be that big, but it but it but it turned out to be that big. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, all right. So now let's get into what the process was like. So. Just for somebody listening that maybe is is wondering what this pitch event is, like, you know, maybe they're feeling, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can do this. What is that process like? How much was I there helping you? And how much did you feel you were kind of on your own? Good or bad? Feel free to, sh- it's okay. Chrissy, uh, go go first. I, I felt pretty prepared, but I knew that if I had to have something answered or a question or I had to send you my sizzles just for pre-approval or if I needed information regarding the pitch that you were going to be responsive and supportive in that. Some of that stuff I already had ready. So I felt prepared and you had already seen, I felt like I had your trust and you weren't just going to throw me to the wolves if I didn't know what I was doing. So for me, it was, I felt somewhat prepared that you know, just because I had already taken the course and you and I had already worked together before that I, I had an expectation of what you expected from me mm-hmm. going into this pitch. Right. Yeah. And you, you held up to that expectation. I was, I think with Chrissy, I was like, I don't even, I know what the idea is. Just go. I don't need <laughs> to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I mean, no, we had a couple of conversations, but, yeah. but I was not worried at all. I was not worried at all. Um, yeah. But I think it helps that we, we kind of, we found our rapport with each other and you know what you expect. So it just helped out a little bit. Yeah. But I, I can imagine that if you were working with someone that was new to you, you know, like Scott and Jordy, who were their first time that, you know, they were able to really take your, you know, advice and put it to their use. Yes. Let's talk about that. Jordy, how did you feel? With the, I know, I know you had a good time. You were like, I love the one-on-ones. <laughs> well, I have, I have some previous, you know, pitching experience. So the process, that wasn't new to me. What I, you know, just for someone again, who's think, isn't familiar with this course, isn't familiar with you. We had to submit the product. We were thinking about pitching to you. You reviewed them, you selected the one. So, you know, we got your feedback right there. And we, you know, I would post my, okay, here's my sizzle video. Here's my spreadsheet. And you gave me a lot of good feedback throughout the process, some suggestions, you know, I mean, my display back there for those of you who can see the video, I used to have the camera just pointing out into my living room and Agile was like, no, no, you, you need something more interesting. So I moved everything around. So yeah, it felt very supportive. One interesting little thing is that at one point, you know, I, I'm the pressure on you had to be a man. So I could just tell like, you know, she's worried about, she doesn't want to present to these big companies, you know, some amateur stuff. So I could tell you were pushing us to make sure we met a level that was going to reflect well on you, which, you know, made me go, okay, you know, I, I can't just blow this off. I got to put some real effort into it and made me step up my game. So 
it was really helpful. You gave a lot of support. And just as another thing on the first um, pitch I did, I had just switched to a new computer. I didn't realize how much stuff I didn't have bookmarked. So like my Zoom, part of my Zoom link wasn't working. And you're just like, oh, well, here, you sent me the video. I'll play it oh, while yeah. I'm frantically scrambling, trying to, you know, reconnect Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I think, I mean, I feel, I just, what I love is being able to actually be a coach. Like, I'm loving, what I loved in that pitch meant was I got to show up and, and you know, you guys, I always tell you guys how I don't love the whole agent thing, you know, it's not really my favorite cup of tea. So the fact that I get to show up and just like be a coach and let you run it and then just be there to catch things that might fall, I loved it. Like, I felt so empowered and then I felt valuable. To, to your process. So that, that for me, honestly, it was paying me. I, I was feeling good about every, about life. So thanks. But I do have to say thank you for, for putting your all in, and really developing these ideas. Cause I was nervous. There were like so many levels at first I was nervous that what, you know, I was promising this pitch event, you know, would I be able to deliver then once I got the companies to come and you guys were excited about them, I'm like, oh no, now what are the companies going to think about this pitch event? So I had that level. And then it was just, then honestly, even as we were preparing, I, I wonder how you guys felt. Cause I, I worried, oh, did I get back to them too late? Cause we, we are communicating throughout the pitch event through this app called ClickUp. And that's where you're uploading things. I'm doing screen records. I'm giving you feedback. But I was worried, like, oh, my gosh, like, Chrissy sent me this message five days ago. <laughs> like, does she even need this help anymore? So how, how did you feel about my response time? I'm kind of curious for my, myself. Well, well, I didn't know, like, ClickUp to me was confusing to use first on my phone versus my computer, which I had oh, to learn the hard the way. Oh, the phone is just don't even do that. Yeah. So yeah. then I realized, okay. Now I needed to figure that out. So then I was like, am I even sending these correctly? <laughs> I know. I need then, to work on I knew an I intro video to click on. Yeah, I knew I could email you if I was in a hot panic, but I was right. like, oh, yeah. yeah. It felt fine when it was all figured out. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna yeah, I was just going to kind of echo that, that ClickUp was a bit weird in the sense, like send something over and then kind of a couple days of wondering, well, maybe... <laughs> Maybe she didn't get it. Like maybe ClickUp didn't do what it's supposed to do or. Oh, I, I do yeah, wonder yeah. if maybe I should have like an automated response or something that says like, got it, you know, got yeah, your message. Yes. Yeah, like on Messenger, you can see. Yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, I wonder, maybe I, maybe I put it in the wrong place or I no, put it in I, the wrong thread. So I have to say one of the things I learned from all this is that next time we do this, we are going to end Toy Creators Academy and then have a month gap where we can prepare all of the stuff for the pitch event. Because I think the problem for me was I wasn't just doing the pitch event. I was still running the course, right? So mm -hmm. we're still having our weekly meetings. I'm still posting about the course. I'm still updating the course. I'm emailing people. Then we had new people come in late to the course. It was like, it was chaos. So that was the, the problem for me getting back late. It was just, there was a lot going on. Next time we were going to end the course and have a nice calm month of preparing our pitches before the event. That's what I think will be better. Yeah. 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 Okay. So how many people here, this is like the most fun or most horrifying question of the day. How many people here received a yes at the pitch event? Or I guess a maybe, maybe yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, kind of a maybe from one of them. <laughs> A definite no from one. Yeah, oh, no. no. Let's talk about the no's. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, so mine were were pretty distinct no's, which um, <laughs> is okay because I knew at that point, it, it, because of the confidence instilled in the process, I knew it wasn't to do with my like lack of materials or lack of uh, pitching quality right. because stuff was vetted before and I knew that you wouldn't let us move forward if it was like you know a dumb idea or whatever right. so because then that would make everyone look foolish so it wasn't right. the confidence was there going in so I, I knew that the no's were at least to do specifically with what you know what I was presenting and not like not that I picked the wrong thing from the get-go right. so that was if there's any bright side to the to the big capital letter nose there was that <laughs> but definitely they yeah definitely it was it was disheartening but i mean i i in the animation industry again a lot of nose so it was wasn't uh wasn't too surprising yeah in, in, a, in a sense in a sense but yeah, yeah. When when we were going through your pitches, it was hitting me hard, honestly, because we worked kind of closely together on, on some of your stuff. So it, it was hitting me hard, the nose. And it, I started to realize that it was maybe it was maybe too edgy. And also, I just but I still love it so much. So so I just kind of thought, all right, maybe it's just the styling that's too edgy. But the edgy styling is also what makes it so different. That's what makes yeah, it stand out. Yeah, I, I thought it was quite funny. The two different, the both notes were essentially the same, that the, the styling wasn't fitting for, for their company. Right, right, But right. Their, their comments were vastly different in the sense one, one comment was, oh, what's going on with, the, is, the, is the character pregnant or what? And then on the <laughs> other side of, of the spectrum the other people were asked well what it's a little too too uh prostitute <laughs> which by the way is what mom said about barbie so just saying yeah that's right you know yeah. that is what mom said about barbie i i you know i just think it's one of those things maybe not the right product for the right uh company but I don't know. I, 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 it, what we were talking about, the whole positioning of this product is what made it so special and trying to find a, a way to access a market that the toy industry really isn't accessing right now. So I think that thought process was really wise. But I also have to say, and I, I wonder if you found this as well, people saw your skills, Scott, from what you were presenting, and they were very much interested in, in getting to see more things from you as an inventor. They were really impressed with you. People were even wondering, where'd you find this person? So in my mind, it was just a matter of, okay, so depending on the company, are, is Scott going to apply his skills to something a little bit more mass, something a little bit more digestible, depending on the company that we're, pitch, we're pitching to? But no, you definitely have the skills and you were, you were were they were impressed. And I think they want to work with people like you that... You, I mean, you have these 3D modeling skills, you have design skills. You, did you make a prototype of her? For the sake of my wallet, I'm glad yeah. it didn't get to that yeah. point. But there, I had two 3D, 3D renders built in, in the computer for the, for the pitch, which right. I, I still don't regret doing because it allowed me to put my best foot forward in a sense to show what, what it was 
they could react to as right. opposed to them going well there's not enough there to to make it any sort of comment so right. that's a different that's a different note so i'm glad at least i had enough to go on on that thing and 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 it was also i knew going in to the nose like that i had kind of chosen a very 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 difficult target like right. in the toy world the, yeah. the you know so i knew that the obviously the chances are low to begin with but it's yeah. just trying to sneak a teenage mutant ninja turtle approach and and get in <laughs> you know at the right time at the right place the right people right right yeah. idea and yeah. you know that that's just kind of uh part of the course it's yeah way it goes. yeah one okay. thing i'd like to follow up was you know i i I pitched to Hasbro and I got a very definite no from them. And while it was a little disheartening, what I liked was they explained why they were saying no. And it was very market driven. They were saying, you know, look, this is, these are the points we have to hit. If something's going to sell enough to justify that, like Scott, I tend to make stuff that's very niche. You know, I'm a hardcore geek, sci-fi comic book person and one of the things I'm struggling with is I know that if I want these bigger companies to take my products, I have to bump it up to that bigger market. And so listening to these companies and, you know, they were very frank about, you know, look, this is the reason we're rejecting it, not because of the content, not because of your creativity, but because of these market issues. Mm -hmm. And that's really helping me say, okay, I mean, I've already started on a new idea and I'm thinking, okay, I think, you know, again, I'm taking that advice and saying, okay, I need to pitch this towards a broad audience. I can't do something that appeals just to me. And that's been very helpful. Yeah, I think over time, you'll start to de develop these ideas of the personalities of these different toy companies. And then you can start uh, addressing your inventions for their personalities. So that's right. and one more thing I wanted to say about the pitch event that was great is, you know, a lot was that it was in person. You know, I got to pitch to actual people. I think I looked at Hasbro's website beforehand. They've got a link to a form that you fill out and you give a little information about yourself and a very generic pitch about your product because you don't want to give away your IP. Yeah. And you just send it off into the ether and hope that, and they, in the fine print, they say, we will get back to you eventually. <laughs> but I, through your pitch event, I got to meet face-to-face -face with representatives of these big companies and in-person pitch my ideas, not just fill out a form on a website. I know that was, that is the coolest part. And I think they were willing to do it because you were able to be so concise. We, we went in, it was like speed dating style pitch, like boom, 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 no time wasted. Right. Let's talk about that experience. Like how, how, have you guys ever pitched that fast before? <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually faster. I had like a two minute pitch once. What was so fast with, and the, what was so great about your pitch is that there was feedback, even though that 10 minutes flew. Yeah. The two minute one, you just kind of just pitched and then you just, they, you know, they just moved on. You didn't get any feedback, any, you know, and so it was kind of like, okay. <laughs> was <laughs> Did that you it? hear me? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Bye. Yeah. See you. Yeah. <laughs> so you had done it. Had you, you done it? Not on this, you know, level. I, I've done a, a group I belong to, a, a support group 
we practice elevator pitches all the time. So I've practiced the idea of it, but this was my first time with a real client doing this sort of a pitch. And yeah, I sat down with a stopwatch and recorded myself multiple times because I, I think in one point, you actually did have to cut me off because me and the guy I was interviewing, he was asking about some of the stuff on my wall. And you're like, oh, <laughs> we got, sorry, guys, can't talk about the artwork. Got to get to the next pitch. But I was glad that he said something about your wall because then your background had, had started conversation, formed a relationship. That was pretty cool. But yeah, I had to, I was like, oh, somebody's in the waiting room. We got to go. Got to keep it moving. <laughs> Scott, had you pitched like that before? It, that was the shortest, I think, that I've done. I mean, yeah. I thought 20 minutes in the past was like, oh, that's really short. But those were in person. And it, it kind of even felt shorter because it's online and it's just you sitting there so i had my like whole crib notes of what to say when and where mm -hmm. and i had timed it out much like jory like uh stopwatch a couple nights before just to try to trim down unnecessary oh, words awesome uh, i'm so happy I didn't but know all I, this was going on. I find out later you guys were like timing yourselves. I think I told you to do it, but I didn't think anyone was doing it. So it's good. Oh, yeah, because I was, uh, was scared because as you would, yeah. as you said, you would have to. You just like cut us off. So it's like, okay, <laughs> I got to make sure. And I was able to yeah. get it down enough so that there could be a little bit back and forth at the end of it. Because they needed time to say no, so I'm glad I. <laughs> it's interesting about you. You mentioning them saying no, because again, with the two really big ones I pitched to, I I felt like they already knew why they were going to say no, or that you know they had their nose ready, but they still listened to my idea. But again, it's you know this is the thing I struggle with trying to go the inventor route. Is it's not so much about my idea; it's about selling to these companies, yes, you want to invest your money in producing my product. So obviously these companies knew it's like, okay, this is what it's got to meet. And it doesn't care how great the sizzle video is. If it's not going to sell X quantity in Oklahoma, then forget it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's right. so true. They want, if they're going to invest in a product with you, it has to appeal to a hundred percent of their market. What were you going to say, Chrissy? I was going to say on the topic of this, company saying no, I would had a situation where I had one company, I pitched to a few different companies and different games to each of those companies. And I had one company, I pitched two games to and they liked the one, and then they said no on the other. And why that, you know, while that is disheartening, then I pitched that same game that they said no to, to a different company later. And they were like, this is great. We like it. And I was like, okay. So you just never know who you're going to connect with. Mm -hmm. And the company that liked this game was a smaller publisher. So I'm like, you know, don't discount those smaller publishers because you just don't know what they can connect to. And like, just, you know, to either one of you guys, like, hopefully that's a part of your story. You'd be like, well, you know who passed on this idea was <laughs> the old big guy over there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. yeah. So I went in yeah. kind of like, ugh. But then going into this pitch, like, okay, just... I erased it. Let's start fresh. And then I was like, at the end, I was like, great. Yay. You know, it gave, gave me a little bit of a skip in my step after that. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I was so excited when that happened too. I was like, yes, it's so good. Yeah. So, good. so major takeaways. So what were some of the major takeaways that you got out of the virtual pitch event, out of meeting with all these companies? If you can remember one, two, I'd love to share something you've learned with the listeners. 
that one company can say no, and then the next company can say yes. You just have to, you know, keep going. And then eventually someone hopefully will like, if you hear no from absolutely everybody, then maybe that's when you step back and go, all right, maybe this isn't so good. Right. But, you know, don't assume that maybe smaller companies aren't the right fit for you. Maybe the bigger companies, you know, you got that opportunity to pitch, which, I mean, that's just an experience in itself. So, yeah, I would just say kind of keep on going until you have too many no's to have to maybe reevaluate. Yeah. Scott? One of, the thing I took away from it was, was, was basically the information from the course itself in, in essence of how the materials that are kind of industry standard to do these pitches. So that, that in itself is, is worth a lot because it's, it's almost like a template for how to show them what they want to see so that you're not wasting time. Cause if you know, you show them something and it's just all boring and nonsense, then you're going to get a pass anyway. So the, the way that it's structured to, to have the kind of, pieces in place, I guess I'd say, that even in a 10-minute pitch, all the necessary information can be provided, which yeah. is which is going to be very helpful moving forward. Something I know people listening might be wondering is, do I have to have specific graphic design skills or product design skills in order to be able to invent a toy or a kid's product and pitch it? What would you say to that? Well, one thing I would say is you don't need you need a really good idea. And one of the things that always bugs me that InventRights is they always talk about, oh, you don't need a prototype. And as working also in the mechanical design industry, I'm like, no, you need to prove your idea works. But you can design a game on post-it notes. I, I went to a sci-fi convention and someone was playtesting a game and literally it was index cards with stick figures drawn on it, but they thought out the rules and we played it and it was a blast. And I was like, man, you hire an artist and I'll buy a copy of this. So, and one of the things you teach in your course is how to find artists and production manufacturing. So, yeah. If they don't have the skills, if they've got, just if they can say, I want my character to look like this, you can help them find an illustrator for it. If they need a 3D model, you can help them find a 3D modeler and you can help connect them to factories in China to produce it if that's the way they want to go. So I would say, no, you don't have to be super creative. You don't have to be artistic, or, you know, but as long as you've got a good idea, as long as you're willing to hear no a bunch of times, as long as you're willing to take honest feedback you can help connect them to the people who can do a better illustration, do what needs to be made, but still keep it their idea. And it's hard not to get caught up in wanting it to look good before you pitch it, but you just have to, unless you have like a really good connection that's not going to charge you an arm and a leg, or if they give you maybe just the basic ideas, because as we know, some of these companies may take your idea and completely change the name of the game, change your look, change all those things. You know, they'll keep the heart of the game, but it's, you have to be able to resist because it's hard not to, especially when you're making your own sizzle reel and it's not, you know, professional and you feel like, it, well, it needs to be glossy and pretty, but it really doesn't. 
Did you see a difference in how people responded to the games that you pitched, Chrissy, that were more refined versus the ones that you kind of threw together? Not really. I mean, sometimes, you know, in fact, one of the games that I pitched, I, I used an object that I bought off of Amazon. Oh, and right. Then, yeah. You know, I, then I, all my cards were hand done. And the response to that game was really good. And I thought, well, I could have invested thousands of dollars into this electronic piece to something I was working on. And who knows if it would have worked. And, you know, that's kind of where we're stuck there. But I just had to try to really push the, you know, concept, the proof of concept mm-hmm. in my and, sizzle. Yeah. And I have to say with your game, you did use an existing piece and you, you express that, yes, I want to and can develop this piece to be something more custom, but I want to see if there's interest first, which I think was really smart. But then on top of that, that piece wasn't the only differentiator in your game. That piece was right. just one piece of, of yeah. the complexity of your gameplay. There were other levels that even if that piece wasn't there, there were still levels of gameplay, which I think is also really important. Right. And, and, t- and one of the things that I actually picked up in your course is kind of, you know, making these things toyetic. And that really is kind of a feature really in these mass market um, Mm -hmm. companies. They want something that, okay, what's going to stand out? What's on the shelf? What's going to sell? And I was actually really surprised because, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've come up with an idea or pitched something or said something to something. And they're like, oh, well, we have something or we've seen it or it's already, that's actually already in the works with our company. It's like, what? It's so frustrating. (laughs) So frustrating. But when I pitched this game to... Hasbro that I was pitching and they said, Oh, I've never seen this done before. I almost fell off my seat. I was like, <laughs> wait, what? And it may not go anywhere, but I was like, yeah. Hallelujah. I, I did. So I was like, I'll take it. That was my success. So I was like, I'm, I'm oh. good. Just oh, that's awesome. That's so great. Okay. Well, do you, does anyone else have a success story from the pitch event? That would be a good, a success moment, a moment where even Scott's face is just <laughs> <laughs> Guess not well, that. <laughs> I have a little bit of a success. So Dave Harris from Mattel, who spoke, I did reach out to him. I'm applying to fill out the form for a professional inventor. And I even just pitched a rough concept off of something. He said, I said, well, hey, I've got this one game mechanic that I could easily adapt to this. And we've had a few back and forth emails. Again, I'm not going too in detail. and I haven't even worked out the the final form of it but you know and he's like well tell me a little bit more so it's um so i've got some real hope with that and because i know it's something they're already invested in it's like okay good i you know they've already invested in the theme i just have to get the mechanics together Kristen. that's so cool oh thanks for the update that's really cool look at scott scott's like oh (laughs) many things your face is (laughs) very expressive Oh, guys, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for being here. I think this was great. It was really good to hear updates, one, and your perspective on the pitch event. Is there anything else that maybe I'm not, I didn't hit on that you you wanted to share about your experience in Toy Creators Academy or with the TCA virtual pitch event? Anything else? I actually have a question just from your perspective, Ajal. Do you feel like once everything was done and once you were talking to the companies after everyone had pitched... Do you feel like they were satisfied with like what you brought as a whole? Like, so that next year, you know, or you're thinking maybe six months or so. Q1, Q1, yeah. Yeah, so doing that again, do you feel like 
now you've established this pitch event. Because I know there's other pitch events. Yeah. Some are bigger. Some are more really tailored to specific strategy games or maybe specific toys, which is why I appreciated yours. Because anyone who had a toy idea could pitch. Anyone who had a um, book idea. I mean, that was really across the board. Yeah. So do you feel like that for you next time it's like... Yeah, I, I people thought you guys were very prepared. What I what I think is really valuable about this pitch event is that you're coming into the I mean, if it's your first pitch event, you're coming into the industry looking like a professional and it makes them feel more comfortable with you and it makes them just more hopeful of the things that you're going to bring to the table. Everybody that went to the event was really impressed. I I specifically had distributors and toy companies that said, wow, I have sat through some really bad pitches and your people are prepared. Like their, their PowerPoints, their sizzles, their everything. Like they were really impressed. So great job. (laughs) They were, they were happy. Yeah, they were happy. I think that they will come again. Hopefully (laughs) they will come again and we can do this again. I think it would be so cool. I, I, one of the benefits of the TCA virtual pitch event is that everyone from everywhere can pitch pretty much all at the same time. So where are you guys from? I'm in Vancouver, Canada. And I am in Denver, Colorado. I'm in Portland, Oregon. And you know what I love about that? Not not only, you know, you didn't have to spend money to travel and pitch for 10 minutes, but you could, if you wanted to, spend that money on your prototypes, spend that money on developing your product and making a better product that a toy company might want to buy. I think that's so much more valuable to the toy industry that you're spending your money developing a product than spending it on you know, getting to an event. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So before we go, just to wrap up, I want to go around the room and just introduce yourself to the listeners. I want you to share what your area of expertise is in toy or game invention and share where people can find you. Maybe it's LinkedIn, maybe it's Facebook, whatever you want to share, and we'll put it in the show notes. So let's start with Chrissy. My expertise is party games, but also really leaning towards family-friendly party game style. And you can find me at LinkedIn at Chrissy Fagerholt, or you can go to my website, Chrissy at or BAPtoysToyandgames.com. And Instagram and Facebook, I, I'm still like, that's just more of a social thing for me. I need to right. jump into the world business-wise baby steps no i think for you guys linkedin is good maybe ig yeah 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 scott so uh, i guess my expertise i guess would be kind of toyetic character design that kind of thing yeah and i can be reached probably through instagram is the best at scott diggs s-c-o-t-t-d-i-g-g-s Perfect. Jordy, where can we find you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Jordy, G-E-O-R-D-I-E, Humphrey at LinkedIn. I do have a Instagram account, not doing much with it. One place that's kind of fun to look me up is uh, if you know the website instructables.com. It's a DIY website, all sorts of how to build just about everything. And I've written a couple articles or instructables as they call them there. So Jordy underscore H, instructables.com. And what's your area of expertise? Area of expertise is toy and games is what I'm focusing on. Um, Having a background in graphic design and and mechanical engineering, I 
tend to try my hand at just about anything that I run across, but really trying to focus on toys and particular games. Awesome. Thank you so much for this interview today, guys. I can't wait to share it with the world. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So much. I look forward to a gel con. Okay, toy people, before I give you your action item, I've got to give a shout out to a fellow toy challenger, aspiring toy creator, Leticia Wenga, who has showed up big time in the Toy Coach podcast Facebook community during the toy challenge. Ever since becoming part of the community, Leticia, you have brought your A-game as far as improving your game ideas and the way that you pitch. So I just want to let you know, thank you for being in this community, and I see the work you're putting in, and I'm super proud of you. Okay, everyone, your action item to do before next week is to sign up for the Toy Creators Academy launch party. The Toy Creators Academy launch party is happening on September 8th. And if you are an aspiring toy inventor or entrepreneur, then this is an event you cannot miss. During this launch party, we're going to celebrate opening enrollment for Toy Creators Academy, but also you're going to learn what you need to know before you develop and pitch your toy or game ideas. I want you to either bring some champagne or a mocktail to toast to you for taking the first step toward your toy dreams. We've got limited spots. I am so excited that it is filling up, so I want you to head over to ToyCreatorsAcademy.com and save your spot today. Now, if you get nothing else from this event, you will get the clarity and motivation that you need to start or continue developing your amazing toy idea. So I hope to see you there. Don't forget to head over to toycreatorsacademy.com to save your spot. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I know your time is valuable and that there are a ton of podcasts out there, so it means the world to me that you tune into this one. Until next week, I'll see you later, toy people. Thanks for listening to Making It in the Toy Industry podcast with Agile Wade. Head over to thetoycoach.com for more information, tips, and advice. Hey, are you an aspiring toy inventor or toy entrepreneur? Then you should check out Toy Creators Academy, the first of its kind online program designed to help you develop and pitch your toy ideas. Head over to toycreatorsacademy.com to learn more.